0: Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be the earnest of the Spirit. Let's begin today in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in the 17th verse, it says, When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? Or the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh? That with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay? But as God is true, our word toward you is not yea and nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ, and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul, that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Verses 21 and 22 are together one sentence. They are only separated by a semicolon. They are two parts of the same sentence. And since this is the case, they should be read together in order to be properly understood. Verse 21 and 22 together say, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ, and hath anointed us is God who have also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The key word in this sentence is earnest. Earnest is a very important word, and is so many times misunderstood. Earnest in many other versions of the Bible is translated as a pledge. The original word in Greek is arabona, which originates from the Hebrew word erabon. According to Strong's Concordance, it means an earnest, a part payment in advance for security. It was security that the whole would be paid afterwards. Noah Webster defined earnest as a noun, meaning first fruits, that which is in advance and gives promise of something to come. Early fruit may be an earnest of fruit to follow. The Christian's peace of mind in this life is an earnest of future peace and happiness. Hence, earnest or earnest money is a first payment or deposit giving promise or assurance of full payment. This sense of the word is primary, denoting that which goes before or in advance. Thus the earnest of the Spirit is given to saints as a pledge or assurance of their future enjoyment of God's presence and favor. Earnest is normally understood in this way, but it's also an adjective. As an adjective, it means intent or fixed intent. There are two different meanings of this word, and when we put those two meanings together, we get a clearer and a fuller idea of this promise that God has given us, and a better idea of what it means and what it looks like to have the earnest of the Spirit within our lives. First, we must understand that the only way we can receive the Spirit in our lives is through Christ. There is no other way. We must be born again if we are to receive the Spirit. This is why Paul said in verse 21, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ. Christ is the foundation. He is the establishment that is beneath us. We must have Christ first. We must be established in him. And then we can receive the Spirit. Being saved prepares us to receive the Spirit. Then Paul said, And hath anointed us is God. An anointing is given. It's an impartation from God to us. We can never get the Spirit by our own works or efforts. It can only be freely given by God. Simon, in Acts the eighteenth chapter, made this mistake. He was originally a sorcerer from Samaria. After being saved, he saw the supernatural power that Peter and John operated in, and wanted to buy the Holy Spirit from them. But he then learned that the Spirit can't be bought or worked for. It can only be given by God. Paul said next, "Who have sealed us?" This is important. Once God has given us the Spirit and we have him within us, he can never be taken away from us. He is there within us forever. In John fourteen sixteen, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. We see here that he is both given and he is forever with us. The Lord is King of kings. He has put his Spirit within us, and has sealed us with his signet ring. It is irreversible. No one, not the devil or anyone else, can ever take him away from us. Daniel 6 and 17 says, And a stone was brought, and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lord's, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. The spirit is always with us. He is sealed within us forever. Next it says, And given the earnest of the Spirit. As we saw before, we know that the Spirit is given. Anything that is given must in turn be received by the one that the gift is intended for. It is our job to receive the gift of the Spirit. The way that we do this is by welcoming Him into our lives. The Spirit will never go where He is not welcome. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and 8, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. It is crucial that we receive the Spirit. We are freely given it if we take that salvation through Jesus, and in turn we can freely receive it. But it's our job to receive it. Lastly, Paul says, in our hearts. This tells us that the Spirit, after we have received Him, dwells within us. We are not dealing with the outward, we are dealing with the inward. The earnest of the Spirit is within us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? It is crucial that we understand that the Spirit is not only upon us, because that is temporary in nature. He is within us, because this is forever. It is eternal in nature. The Spirit was upon people in the Old Testament, because the Comforter had not yet been given to dwell within men. In the New Testament, the Comforter has been sent, and now the Spirit can dwell within us. Today, the same is true. It's no different. The Spirit, if we are born again, is right now within us. Let's not miss the promise that is unique to our time. We must first look at what it means to be given the earnest of the Spirit as a down payment. We have the Spirit within us already, but that doesn't mean that we are fully operating in the power of the Spirit. We must remember that the Holy Spirit is a person, one of the free in the Trinity, who has his own distinct personality. The same way that we understand our relationship with Jesus, or our relationship with God the Father, we must understand our relationship with the distinct person of the Holy Spirit. He is our comforter, and he is our guide. Jesus says in John sixteen thirteen, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Guiding and in turn being led take time. They are a process. We don't understand all truth all at once or instantaneously, and that's either when we get saved or at any other point on our journey of faith. We are always being led by the Holy Spirit towards all truth, but we won't arrive there on earth. When we get to heaven We will see in full and know in full. We will have all truth. Until then, we only see in part and know in part. And this is part of sanctification. Over time, God molds us and refines us into who he wants us to be. This is similar to how he helps us grow closer and closer to the image of Christ. This is a part of how we are changed from glory to glory. This is why we are only given the earnest, the down payment of the Spirit. We start with the down payment, then we allow ourselves to be changed from glory to glory by the Spirit as we continue to grow and as He leads us into all truth. Then from the same starting ground of the down payment, we need to cultivate our relationship with that distinct person of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn about Him firsthand, who He is, how He talks, and how He acts. We need to personally learn and see His ways and His love and his power. When we really grow in our relationship with him, then we will begin to see the fullness of the spirit working in and through us. We only start with the down payment, but from there we grow and are changed. We see more and more of the spirit operating in our lives, and we are continually sanctified. Then on the day that we get to heaven, we will be given the payment in full. The full payment isn't for us now because we are still in our fallen state, and behold, into our fallen nature. Our role is to grow and to allow ourselves to be changed. And then God will do his part and lead us to the place where we can receive the fullness of the Spirit and have perfect communion with him. And we can understand all truth and operate fully in his power because we will then be in a perfect, eternal state. Next, we must look at earnest as intent or fixed intent. God has given us the intent of the Spirit in our hearts. It is far easier for us as people to change our actions or how we act than to change our intent or why we act. God is an all-seeing God. He sees our actions and sees beyond them to our intent of why we acted in that way. Motive is more important than people think. Motive drives action. We can do great actions, but if our intent is not great, our heart won't be in the right place. The intent is the will. As fallen creatures, our will is always warring against God's will. Our will wants to reign supreme in our hearts, but it is only God's will that can give us true and lasting hope and joy and peace. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would, When we become born again and receive the Spirit of God, He gives us the intent of the Spirit in our hearts. Intent always is from within. It's inward and then manifests itself outside of ourselves through our actions, which by nature are outward. The Spirit of God within us does a work within us to over time change our intent of our actions from our fallen corrupt will to His perfect will. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God does his work within us through his Spirit to change our will, which will in turn change our actions. Any change on the outside must first start on the inside. All of our actions must begin with intent. Everyone says that they want to do God's will, but our actions are only half of the equation. We need to let the Spirit change our will so that we can share in his intent. God is honored by genuine actions that come from the heart with the right intent. He's not honored by actions that are outwardly pretentious, but have a malicious intent behind them. So the next time that we are doing a good act, we need to ask ourselves, what is our intent? Are we acting out of our own will? Or are we allowing ourselves to be controlled by the will of the Spirit? Our will must become subject to his will. He has put the earnest, the intent of the Spirit within us, and it is a fixed intent because he is God and he changes not and neither does his will or his intent. Our job is to understand his intent and allow the Spirit to change our will so his intent can become our intent too. Once we understand that we have the earnest of the Spirit, the down payment and the intent, the Spirit will work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure and changes from glory to glory. The work of the Spirit within us will manifest in our actions and in the way that we live our lives. Let's go to the book of Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, starting in the 16th verse, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lascivishness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. The world and people around us should know that we had the Spirit of God within us. They will be able to tell when we bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. As our personal knowledge of the Holy Spirit grows deeper and deeper, and as He continually changes our will to be in accordance with His will, The fruits of the Spirit will naturally produce themselves in our lives. When you plant a fruit tree, you first plant it, then you cultivate it so it grows, and then it produces the fruit on its own. This is the work that God does within us, to will and to do of his good pleasure. He produces the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. We can't produce them ourselves. Our role is to provide the right environment for the fruit to grow in. And we need to do our job and then let the Spirit do His job. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 8. In Romans, chapter 8, starting in the first verse, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. If ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God They are the sons of God, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We are called to not just have the spirit within us, but to also walk in the spirit. When we are truly bearing spiritual fruit, it will come naturally, because it is the manifestation of the spirit living within us. When we see spiritual fruit being produced in our life, we know and can be assured that we are walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit means that we are living a life defined by and controlled by the Spirit. Our role in this is submission to His will for our lives. We have the power to walk in the Spirit because we already have the earnest, and then we need to live it out in our everyday life. A tree that produces fruit needs a good root system, in order to receive the nutriments and the strength that it needs. The same is true for us. If we are to produce and maintain spiritual fruit, we need to stay rooted in the Holy Spirit. He will give us the provision and the strength that we need to successfully walk in the Spirit. If you cut out the root system of a natural tree, the tree will start to die and won't produce any fruit anymore. We must beware of the same in the spiritual. If we don't stay rooted in the Holy Spirit, we will harm our spiritual life, and over time we will cease to produce any fruit at all. We must guard our root system at all costs, because the roots are the life of the tree. When we let the Spirit lead us, we know that we are the sons of God and the children of God. The Spirit bears witness of this fact. This is what the Holy Spirit thinks of us. This is how he sees us. Once we understand this, we need to live in light of that understanding. The Holy Spirit is the greatest and the most precious gift that we could ever have in this world. He is God Himself. God has given us the earnest of the Spirit within us. We need to understand it. We need to grow in it, and we need to cultivate it. Then we need to live it out and produce fruit and walk in the Spirit. This is God's will for us. So let's allow Him to do a work in us, and through us, so that he can change us, so that his will becomes our will also. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the earnest that you have put within our hearts, Lord God. We thank you that it's already within us, that we have the down payment, and that when we get to your beautiful kingdom on that day, that we will have the payment in full. Lord, we thank you that you've given us the intent of the spirit, that it's already within us also, Lord God, and that... Our actions have the right motive behind it, Lord God. Continually change us. Help us to go from glory to glory. Lord, produce within our lives spiritual fruit, those things that are well-pleasing to you, Lord God. We thank you that all of this is part of your will for our lives and that you have given us these great promises that when we submit ourselves to your will, that you will give us all that we long for and desire in this life. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you've given us revelation from your word. Continue to lead us deeper and deeper into the revelations of your word. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory. And we worship you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to have the earnest of the spirit and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We wanna thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you would like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more about this program and about this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We also appreciate if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.